From the ponds to the pros, it's time for Beyond the Pond on the Fan. Here are your hosts, Pat Micheletti and Kevin Fulness. Right off the bat, I'm going to reiterate, Patrick, I'm never late. I'm always on time. For you, on time is 45 minutes early. If I show up 45 minutes early, I have to make 45 minutes of small talk, and that's not on the table. It's so I show up dedi- at the horn. Dedication to the show, uh, preparation for the show. Jack and I went over uh, tons of stuff without no, you here. No, you didn't. And you talked Green Bay Packers and basketball with Dave Sinekin. That has nothing to do with Beyond the Pond. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's it's disappointing week in and week out. But <laughs> you know what? We muddle through it, don't we, Jack? I think if Falness showed up 45 minutes early with you, there might be a hockey fight by, like, the second segment between you two. I, I think have, the separation might be a good I thing. I don't have the energy for an extra 45 minutes yep. of this. So two hours is more than enough, and that's what we have here. It's Beyond the Pond on the airwaves, bringing you all the best of the state of hockey. Sounds like you had a fun time last I night. I did. Tell me what was going on in your I world. was at uh, the St. Thomas Academy Arena for uh, a showdown between the top two teams in the CCHA, St. Thomas and Minnesota State, and uh, went to overtime. And a beautiful goal ended it for Minnesota State. A little controversy, little, you know, the game had a little bit of everything. But um, um, I think we'll see these two teams in the in the championship game uh, eventually down the road. We'll see. But it, uh, it was good. And a rematch coming up tonight. It's a home-and-home home series. So last night you were at St. Thomas. Yep. Tonight they're going to be in Mankato. The One of the assistant coaches for St. Thomas is Corey Leyland. He joins us now on the line. Uh, what was it like having royalty in the house last night, Corey, oh while you guys are battling? Pat Micheletti in the crowd like a common person? <laughs> Pretty cool. Well, it was, a, it, was, it was a fun atmosphere. It was good last night. Tell us about the game. Uh, Pat was there. I didn't see it, but it sounded like uh, you guys battled back from a 2-0 deficit, took the 3-2 lead, ended up falling in overtime. How would you uh, encapsulate what happened? You know, our kids battled like I do. I we, We're real happy with the resilience. We, we started out a little bit slow, and, and we came back, and we battled back, and we, we took that 3-2 lead, like you said. And we took it down the wire, and kind of a controversial yes. tied up at the end with 33 seconds left. We weren't happy about that, but... Um, you know, we we're, we put ourselves in an opportunity to win the game, and and we fell a little short. And now we just got to regroup. This morning here, we're we're working hard to to make some adjustments and, and see what we can do about tonight's game. Yeah, and you you guys uh, have a few guys out of the lineup too, don't you? Yeah, we're banged up. We got a couple of season enders, and we got a couple other contingent guys that uh, are working their way back. Hopefully, be back next week. But you know, um, we we got who we got, and our guys are battling hard. So it's uh. Uh, the guy, it's the next guy up mentality and guys have been playing hard. So we gave ourselves an opportunity last night. So, uh, that's all we can ask for. Well, I tell you what I've said, I said this from, from day one that, um, St. Thomas is, uh, going to be a gold mine. Uh, once you get that building built and, uh, you know, uh, it's only going to help in recruiting. Although you guys are getting a lot of really, really good players in now, um, you know, once that building is built, which will be done in two years, if I'm correct, um, you know, I, I think the sky's the limit for uh, for you guys. Yeah, I, I, we're the new building will be ready in less than 18 months. So once they they're starting to uh, have some activity over right now and, and clean up the buildings and get ready to knock some buildings down before they start digging and 
um, it's really cool to see all the activity over there. And um, yeah, we're, we're excited. We, we feel like we're in a good spot. It's a great school and um, you know, the program's going the right direction. The kids battle, we're getting the right kind of kids. And um, you know, we're, we're happy for the state of Minnesota too. It's great for, for everyone to have another, another division one school here that's competing at a high level. So we're really excited. A regular on beyond the pond over the last couple of years, Rico Blasi. We've had him on a number of times. He we blew get to, me off. He did, huh? Yeah, he blew me off. Well, that's not the point of the question. Okay. We, we see his public persona. We love the guy that we get to talk to and, and, and interview on beyond the pond. Uh, what's he like to work with for you from your standpoint, assistant coach to Rico Blasi, who's, you know, done it on a high level for a number of years. What's he like to work with behind the scenes? Well, Rico is a great guy, and he's he's compassionate, and he cares about his players. He cares about the program. He cares about our staff. Like it's great coming to work every day, um, and for that, it's really refreshing. And and with his experience and and going through everything he's gone through in in, in his career, uh, he's a great addition. Like it, to the state of Minnesota, to bring a guy that's not a Minnesota guy, bring him in here, and and he knows the he knows the teams around here. He knows recruiting. He knows the age of kids and, and and how to speak with them and how to build relationships. Um, I'm just happy to be part of the staff because I'm learning a ton from them, and uh, I think uh, St. Thomas is lucky to have them. Uh, one question I, I I haven't asked you, and I and I've wanted to ask you. you your son um, is a member of the team and a very very good player. What's it like, um, and how is the dynamic of? you being behind the bench and, and, and coaching your son. Well, that's, <laughs> it, it's a, it's a really special thing to tell you the truth. Right. And, um, you know, when, when they went out and, and recruited him, I mean, he was recruited by a lot of other schools and, and we were happy to get him. And, and I coached the D he's a forward. Um, I see him every day. I give him a, Hey, how's it going? Just like I do with all the other guys. <laughs> um, I really, I really only get a chance to sit down and talk to him probably, at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, and after the season, when he comes home for for dinner or wants to do his laundry or whatever, but um, it, it's been, it's a special deal. Uh, he's one of the guys uh, I coach the D, like I said. So those are my guys. I focus on them, and and I'm as professional as I can to do my job and and help our team win. But it's uh, it's a special deal. To take us through the the, the recruiting. Did uh, did he commit before we, before you were there, or did he commit? Uh, when you were a member of the staff? Well, he, uh, he was recruited before I got the job. Okay. Um, and then uh, I went through the whole process and then I ended up getting the job and he was offered after I got the job. And then, um, so, then he committed, uh, soon after that. So. so, so, so what's that like? I mean, you know, he's getting offers from other schools. Dad, uh, gets the, the job at St. Thomas. Uh, I mean, uh, how, how did how did that whole scenario play out? Well, Leon Leon's a great recruiter. Leon Hayward's a yes, great recruiter. Yes, he is. Yep. He's been around forever. He's seen he's seen him forever. Rico knows him as well. So they all knew my son. He was just another player. So I like I said, I tried to keep it as professional as I can, trying to fight the right opportunities for him. And and when we were building this thing, we were looking for players with a lot of his same characteristics, with a high compete level skill level and all those things. So I, I was, I was, I was, uh, helping, um, basically telling them that the opportunities to play minutes are, are crucial if you want to play at the next level. And, and, um, and it, it ended up working out great and, and, you know, my heart's just full. It's a pretty cool thing, but re- like I said before, I can't reiterate it enough. Like I I'm, 
my dear, my guys and Leon and Enrico, <laughs> they coach him hard. And, and that's, that's, that's his part of his development. And, and uh, it's just all part of the process. For those that don't know, Corey Leyland, a vast resume in hockey, not only now with, where, the, with St. Thomas. Where did he play college for hockey? Gophers oh, in the he late did. 80s, early 90s, uh, yes. And then is a, he a traitor, Kevin, uh, or no? Why would he be a traitor? Because I, he's working for St. Yeah, Thomas? Yeah, I'm just asking. Hell no, man. You, right. you, you take the jobs when you get them, for sure. Okay. But I'm wondering what that resume did to set you up for this part of your life, not only playing for the Gophers, but your vast international play overseas, and then uh, a former head coach there for uh, Hamlin, too, right? Yeah, no, I it, my 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 career was kind of unique and different. Um, so I, I played at Minnesota as a forward. I was a center and, and a winger at Minnesota, and I was drafted by Pittsburgh as a as a played World Juniors as a forward, and I went to Europe and as as fate had it, and and I'm a small, undersized guy. I ended up playing. Uh, playing defense for 16 years as a pro in Europe. And I played in the minors over here and it was a, it was a strange dynamic when I could see the game differently as a defenseman. And it, it helps me in my coaching because I can see things as a forward and as a D and, and um, you know, now I'm coaching the D and I, and I, I love my job and um, it's just a privilege to be, you know, be at St. Thomas. So I'm, I'm lucky it's, it's taken me where it has and, uh, being in the hockey world is pretty awesome. I look at some of those names, and, and I know the, the majority of the listeners here, we, we, we love our old-time hockey, and we love our old-time gophers, and this isn't all that old-time, but when you talk about the late 80s and, and early 90s, some of the guys that are on that team that, that you played with, whether it be a Larry Olam, a Trent Klatt, a Darby Hendrickson, you had some world-class individuals on those teams, didn't you? Oh, we had some great years. I mean, my freshman year, my I I got an opportunity to start in the national championship game with uh, Dave Snuggerud as the center and Peter Hankinson, Tom uh, Todd Todd Richards and Tom Tom Peterson and and Robbie Stauber was, was that was our Oof. first line and it was a it was a just it was an awesome time in our lives and and um, yeah it was fun to be a Gopher at that time but heck I'm all purple now yeah <laughs> that, that that is for sure hey Acor um the CCHA you know. Top to bottom, I mean, right now you and Minnesota State are are at the top of the league, and you're, I think you're a point behind them or whatever the case may be. But I tell you what, once the playoffs start, it is going to be a battle just to get out of the first round, isn't it? Well, it, it's a logjam. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, Michigan Tech and Lake State and, and Northern Michigan and, and Minnesota. I mean, it's Minnesota State, of course. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a really tight league. Like, it's every – every point matters and every weekend matters. So, um, it's a, it's a, it's good to play in this league. It's exciting every, every weekend. So, you know, we got our work cut out for us. We got to worry about the, the next shift, the next period, because you can't look too far ahead or somebody will sneak in front of you. Corey, thanks so much for doing this. Pleasure to make your acquaintance. Good luck tonight in Mankato and good luck this season. This was fantastic. Tell Rico we said hello as well. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Roll right. Toms. Yep, uh, thanks. Go Toms, indeed. Uh, that was fun. It was I, Roll Toms. Is that what he said, Roll Toms? Roll uh, Toms, not Go Toms. Okay. Well, That's all right. My bad. I heard that That's incorrectly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, that was fantastic. I yeah. never talked to Corey. A great guy. And I looking mean, into his background and his resume, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah, and he could play, and he played a long time. And uh, uh, really, I mean, he's a really good addition to, to Rico's staff. And uh and there, I tell you, I'll say it again. I mean, that program is going to be one you want to keep an eye on because why wouldn't kids want to go there? Uh, you're right in the heart of of the metro area. You've got the Wild, you got the Twins, you got the Vikings, you got the 
you know, all, all that right, right there. And uh, it's a, and, and once they get the building and it's a good school, so, um, you know, all things are looking good for the purple. Sounds like the uh, building was packed the last day. You it had was a good packed, time. Yeah. Five, four overtime loss. They yeah. fall to the Mavericks, but it sounded like it was awesome. Yeah. You know, to, to be there as a fan and not have to work and, and run into a lot of people. And, um, so the commissioner of the league was there last night, Don Lucia. Good. And uh, so, yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. All right. Well, that happened last night. You were watching that. I was watching youth hockey. Neither yeah. of us got to see the Golden Gophers. You no. know what we're going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to squeeze in Frank Mazzacco next. Oh, He's going to take Frank. us right to Madison, the Cole Center, where the Gophers came away with a thrilling overtime victory over Bucky Badger. So we'll talk to Frank next on Beyond the Pond. This is Wild Head Coach John Hines, and you're listening to Beyond the Pond with Faulness and Micheletti on KF. Wild Blackhawks, Wednesday night, February 7th at 8.30 on the radio home of the Wild, FM 100.3 KFAN, The Fan. Gophers get it. Good job by Renzel who blocked it. Now it's two on one. Here comes Moore. Over to Lamb. He shoots. He scores. The Gophers win in overtime. Yeah. I heard it was a hell of a play. <laughs> you heard right. And then, and then Ollie makes a great pass over to Lammer, and Lammer will do that one. You know, Lammer's got the great goal scoring ability. Yeah. So uh, that was great for us right now. Bob Motzko with Wally and Frank last night from Madison, Wisconsin, after the Gophers beat Bucky 2-1 in overtime. Pat didn't see it. I didn't see it. But Frank Mazzacco sure did, and he joins us on the line now here on Beyond the Pond. Good morning, Frank. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Pat. Even you, Pat. Good morning. <laughs> Even you, Pat. Good morning, Frank. I miss you. <laughs> how, how was the uh, the game last night? Obviously, much better when you come out on the winning end of it, but it sounded like it was a, a, a great hockey game start to finish. Uh, it was tight all the way through. It wasn't great for the Gophers all the way through. They had a real soft second period, but uh, uh, all's well that ends well as far as I'm concerned. And uh, you kind of stole my first question. I was going to ask you if you guys have had a chance to see any video yet of that game winner in overtime. I, I was just describing it to Pat Micheletti, and we did watch the the video. I tried to explain it to him, but you had a great eye there. And, again, when you guys were asking Bob about it, he hadn't seen the block by Renzel to set that whole thing up. So set the stage for us how it started, how it finished in the overtime uh, victory over Wisconsin. The, the block was probably routine. I don't know, but then what he did after it is going to be one of those things I'm going to remember for a very long time because he tried to make a move with the puck. He's like on the, uh, to the left of the goaltender slips, goes down uh, on his knees first and then on his butt. And he's still, you know, he's a big guy. He's got a six foot plus stick and he's still controlling the puck and he makes the pass to more. To me, that was the play of the game. I mean, I know lamb shot had to be a good one to go in, but that Sam Renzel play, that that was just that was awesome. That that made the play. Hey Frank, I, I saw from the box score, um, the Gophers were outshot some twenty one to five in the second uh-huh. period. Now, you know, it it it's it, it's I don't even know how to explain it. It felt good that they got the win because I look back um, to the Michigan State series at home, to the Notre Dame series at home. And I recall second periods where the Gophers completely dominated uh, shots 18 to 4, 17 to 5, whatever. In those games, 
and even the Wisconsin series way back um, at the beginning of the year, a, a second period where the Gophers completely dominated. But if you look at the end of the period, they came away with nothing, either up a goal, down a goal, or tied. And um, for them to, to to get that win last night um, felt good, I, I you know, for them, I would think. Uh, yeah, I hope it did, but they, they really got a lot. They, they really took a pounding in that second period. I mean, uh, if it wasn't for Justin Close, it, it's a 5-1 game. I mean, he was just uh, – he was at his best last night, and, and some of that was not – uh, classic uh, textbook kind of goaltending. I mean, he was having to flop. You know, when a goaltender is starting to flop and fly around and having to make saves, you know they're moving the puck in front of him a little bit too easily. But he did that. He was doing that. And he was knocking him away. And that. he was the difference in that period and certainly the difference in the game. Um, so, yeah, the, the good thing is that they, they held uh, – it was a much tighter third period. Shots were way down. And they got the win. I mean, the important thing is find a way to win. You know, it, it was really interesting. One penalty called in the game. Is, am I correct we on were, that? On, yeah. on Jimmy Clark? We were it, wondering if, I mean, if, if that has ever happened. Minnesota, in Wisconsin? For Badger hockey. Last time I played Wisconsin, I was in their bench. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seriously. Um, but, yeah, that um, – you know, I mean, Minnesota is one of the least penalized teams in college hockey, which people have asked me about. Um, why are they like that? I, I don't have an answer, but. Um, pretty- did it lack intensity then? If, if there's only one penalty called and you go through an entire hockey game, did it lack intensity or was it just one of those games where both sides played clean? Uh, both sides played clean. Uh, the intensity was there for sure. Good. I mean, Wisconsin was pouring it on in the second period. Gophers gave them fits in the first period. Gophers owned them in the first period, I thought, uh, and only got the one goal. I mean, they were they were breaking out uh, with ease, uh, but no, the the intensity certainly was there. I mean, it was good, but it, it you know the game's a little bit different now. It's it's a little more gentrified. It's a yeah. little more gen. And somebody here brought up a really good point. You really don't want to be taking penalties uh, if you're playing against no. Minnesota because the power play will kill you. Yep. Yeah, and and for Wisconsin too, you know the skill level is is uh, is off the charts. Um, I I've said this before, Frank, and and I sincerely mean it. It's great for college hockey when the Badgers are relevant, and they certainly are relevant. The atmosphere in that building, what they have thirteen thousand last night. I mean that that yeah. must have been a, a really fun game to be at. It, it was fun, Pat. And do you remember the name Dave Herbst? Oh, yes. Hibbing, Minnesota. Yes, uh, sir. Yep. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. 1973 uh, state champs. This morning. Uh, we were talking about he played for the North Stars. He played for the Milwaukee Admirals. That's where yep. I met him when I was doing minor league radio. Yep. And he said, you know, I heard Pat Micheletti saying that it's very important for the Wisconsin Badgers to be a good team. And I said, Dave, do you know where Pat heard that from? He heard it from me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but you're right. It's, yeah, the Big Ten needs needs the big schools. They need and, and pardon me, Michigan State, but they need Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota to be good. College hockey needs those three marquee schools to be good. Really do. 
You know, you guys talk about the atmosphere at a coal center. Think about what it was just 12 short months ago and how th- how quickly things have changed. Everybody loves Mike Hastings, and he, we know what a great job he's doing there. But is there more to it than him just flipping the switch there and putting on Bucky Red and, and, and becoming a member of the Badgers? Or what has changed so drastically in such a short amount of time to make Wisconsin not only good again, but relevant and right there at the top of the standings? I'm sorry, Kevin, you answered it in one word. It's a flip into the switch. I mean, he is the single most uh, important difference in this team from last year to now. I mean, Granado and uh, I know Tony's going through some bad health issues right now, and all due respect to a great human being, but he did not bring his NHL playing intensity to the college bench. And Mike Hastings has got these guys disciplined yep. and buying into a system that is proven effective. Uh, and, and the other thing is, hey, this is Wisconsin. We walked around their facility now, which they are in the process of remodeling. <laughs> I, they've got basketball and hockey together. And if you work, walk in the underground there into where all the player areas are, it's mind-boggling how expansive that underground network is with uh, dining facilities and weight rooms, and they're making more weight rooms. I mean, it's an incredible recruiting tool to bring somebody here. So that's part of it. So it's part institution, but the big turnaround is my case. So you got the rematch coming up later on tonight. And by the way, breaking news, Patrick, I know it's tough to find on your television screen, and especially during this weekend, it's all on streaming via Big Ten Plus, whatever. But this broadcast will be on the big stick tonight. Yes. FM 100.3, the fans. That's awesome. Wally and Frank, starting with the pregame at 6.30. Give them that 30-minute pregame because you've got to get all that information in. And, and to please tell Wally to be on his best behavior. Yes. You're going to be on the big stick tonight, Frank. You know, we did hear what he said last weekend, Frank. He's not paying I, attention, I now. And I missed it. Oh, I wait, well, wait, wait, wait. You got it? That really sucks. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are such a beautiful. Can't you control him? Not only that, here I got an even better one, Pat. I'm listening last night, and this is right out of the Tom Reed book of uh, of a chapter of, of 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 broadcasting. He's Frank's calling the game last night, and he's talking to Wally, and he goes somewhere in the middle of the first period. I'm driving around to, to youth hockey. And I hear Frank talk to Wally, and he says, you know, this great big scoreboard, wonderful facility, I can't find the shots. You'd think that in in 2024, I'd be able to find the shots during a hockey game. It was just such vintage Tom Reed slash Frank Mazzacco. And then you guys calling that overtime loss last week, too. Ah, that just sucks. That really sucks. (laughs) You guys have too much fun, Frank. We do. We really have too much fun, but yes. I'm going to try to do it again tonight. What are you right. expecting in the rematch? At 7 o'clock, puck drops tonight on FM 100.3 The Fan. You guys are going to have a blast, uh, and you're going to have your hands full. You know they're going to be angry uh, looking for revenge from the overtime loss. For sure. And yeah. that's the great thing about Western college hockey. I mean, we've got a great deal here. Friday, Saturday night, you get a series. Yeah. You're going to have one team that's going to rebound. you got to, the other team that won. You hope they're going to be able to keep their wits that they had the night before. Yeah. It's wonderful. I mean, out east, you know, it's home and home or here and then away, and they play two different teams in, in two different nights. No, I love it out here because you've you got – there's always a sequel. There's always a sequel. I was texting with the head coach after the game last night, and he said three words. We have to respond. Four words. Four. We have to respond. respond. Four. Four words. We have to respond. 
So we'll see what happens, sure. you know. And uh, you know they have they a chance. They puck up as much. Yep, yep. And uh, they have a chance to sweep, and nothing better than winning on a Friday night. That'd be really good, yeah. Frank. Really good, Frank. Thanks uh, for doing Saturday this night, you mean. <clears throat> on a Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. With the replay coming up tonight. Uh, we're still waiting on that red sauce. Good luck tonight. Have fun with you and Wally. Uh, he did, yeah. yeah. But, uh, oh, by the way, yeah. Are you scheduled? Uh, I'll, 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 I'll work it out. Yeah. I'll, I'll work it out with you. I, I have a cooking class that I give Frank every once my in phone, a while. My phone, my phone is dropping. Yeah. And okay. I can't hear all, all right. Have a great call, Frank. See call you, Frank. me uh, when you get back. Bye. The great Frank Mazzacco. They do have so much fun in that broadcast and you're going to hear it tonight on KFAN. Again, yeah. they've, you got Gopher basketball in this afternoon. They're hosting Northwestern at Williams Arena. That one, I think, starts at 1230 with the pregame. Mike Grimm leading the way there. And then tonight, Wally and Frank starting at 630 with their pregame. Puck drops at 7 o'clock from the Kohl Center. And like you say, there's nothing better than college hockey. The The revenge factor is going to be awesome tonight, but it is good. As yeah. much as you hate Bucky, you need to have them relevant, and right now they are. Yeah, they they, they, they really, you know, it's uh, they're good. They're a really good team and a very disciplined team, and if you don't, if you don't listen to Mike Hastings, you're not going to play. And uh, he's got their attention, and they're playing excellent. All right, so we're going to have Brad Schlossman coming up here later on in the show. We'll also have some open phone lines for uh, hockey talk. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening on the NHL stage, despite it being the all-star break. The Kings fired their coach, oh, if you boy. can believe that. Uh, there's uh, some other movie, moves going on around the National Hockey League, so of course we got to open that up. But when we continue, we've been lax on our high school hockey coverage, so we're going to bring in yeah. Daniel Vake. If you want to talk some high school hockey, this is your opportunity to talk to one of the foremost experts in this area. David Levake of the Star Tribune is going to join us. We'll open up the phone lines 800-320-5326. You can text in your questions or comments 64686. You can also email us booth at kfan.com. David Levake next on Beyond the Pond. Patrick, there has to be a misprint. I googled Boys State High School Hockey Tournament and can you believe it's one month away? That is impossible. It can't be just around. I mean, that's literally right around the corner. We say it every year. We're, I mean, this season, it just, it starts in what, uh, November? Something like that. Oh, man. March 2nd, 2024. That'll be the Boys State High School wow. Hockey Tournament. That just cannot be possible. They break things down here. Give us kind of a, a, a feel for where we are in the Boys State High School Hockey whatever, whatever's going on around the great state of hockey. David Levake, the great writer from the Star Tribune, joins us as he does on a regular annual basis. David, welcome again to Beyond the Pond. Yeah, thank you. I like regular annual basis. I <laughs> yeah, like right? mean, mean Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Is that true? I mean, I, I haven't investigated all that closely, but I wanted to see when the Boys State High School Hockey Tournament is. Is it really a month away? Uh, I don't. I think that you had the date wrong because I, I believe I'm just I'm pulling it up here just to make sure I don't perpetuate misinformation. State <laughs> tournament listed on the high school site March six through nine. Okay, well, it's pretty close then. Regardless, it, it is right around yeah, the corner. Yeah, it's, it's close. Yeah, it For, felt yeah, like your, your larger point remains. It's 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 
it's worth getting down to that time for sure. It felt like we were thrown into the the deep end last weekend when we talk about Hockey Day Minnesota. Of course, the Wild are the, the flagship thing for the nightcap on it, but taking us up to War Road and getting to see War Road take on Rozo and all the pomp and circumstance that Bally Sports North does on an annual basis there on Hockey Day Minnesota. I assume you didn't go to War Road, but did you take in any of the fun and uh, what a great host city War Road was for that whole deal? I did not get up there, but I've heard from several people that they really rolled out the red carpet. And if you did make the trip, it was it was really something to see. It was a lot of fun, and and uh, and and really they really represented themselves well, and you know that and carried on the t- tradition and of of you know good hockey day Minnesota hosts. So so hats off to War Road for getting it done and. And clearly, uh, it was supposed to happen because Mother Nature took it real easy on him with the what is the high of thirty? Yeah, right, right, unbelievable. David, uh, always good to have you on. Always good to talk to you, my friend. I hope all Thank is well. Um, talk to us about these teams this year. Who are we looking at? Who are the you know who are the leaders? What do we expect uh, leading up to tournament time? Well, I tend to break it down in my mind by sections. Um, And then I kind of try to think about who's going to be playing for a section championship because obviously you can't get to state without it. And I I think in section two, we got undefeated Minnetonka and and Chan Hassan. Minnetonka is undefeated. And then Chan Hassan, who's very, very good. That would be a repeat of the section title game from last year. I, I will go out of limo right away. I don't think Minnetonka goes into the postseason undefeated because they have to go to Braemar next oh, Saturday, yeah, actually, right. Edina. And I think that that might be where the uh, where where it all the, the undefeated part of it ends for them. And so I, I just yeah, it, it's not not a crazy p- prediction, but I, I watched Edina last night playing at Hill Murray, and they, Hill Murray was up on them two nothing, and and at the end of the game it was five three Edina in the winner. So. I really think Edina's got something good going right now, and I think that they're going to pull the slight upset and end the uh, bid for an undefeated season by Minnetonka. But when you talk about Minnetonka and the fact that you don't think they're going to go undefeated, that is a team that's battle-tested. That game against Wyzetta earlier this week at the Paggle, that sounded like a, a, a thriller. They got by with this, by the skin of their teeth, but that would seem like would speak to why you think that they're probably the odds-on favorite to come out of that section and, and represent that section at State. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, they are battle-tested for sure. They played a tremendous schedule uh, as good as anybody, and, and uh you know, if you don't don't get by Edina, you know, next Saturday, you know, that's, you know, what happens. You you go to, you talk to teams that win a state tournament and then when they reflect on their season, they had that one loss late in the year that, that really didn't affect anything, but it, it served to really get their minds right again and had propelled them to the successful playoff push they had. So I'm kind of projecting that that's what's going to happen. They'll, they'll lose to Edina and then it'll, it'll allow them to regroup pressures off and now I can just go be the great hockey team that they've been all year. Who should we look at for maybe a sleeper in the, in the state, in the, in the double a. Hmm. That's a good question. Just because by nature, they're, they're tougher to, to track, but um, let me think about that. Uh, I hit you with these tough ones. Don't I, <laughs> I, I did. Get, I got an opportunity to watch uh, Ken Pauly's squad. Not that long ago. And Benilde St. Margaret's, I don't know that I would consider them a sleeper, yeah. but that's not a team that gets a, a, a lot of notoriety. I think at this point of the season, could that be a team that jumps up and, and grabs a top spot? 
That could be. They'd be coming out of Section 6, though, with Wyzetta and Edina. Oh, so that boy. Would a, that would yeah. be a big lift um, uh, to, to get by those teams. So, I mean, they're, they're – they're probably more worth talking about than they've been the last few years in the playoff picture. So give them credit for that. And then, you know, if, if they could pull it off, yeah, I guess they could pull it off. But I, I did, with Mizetta and, and Edina in section six, I don't, that was the section final last year. I would expect that would to be the, uh, I guess would be the third meeting this season uh, in the, in that game. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's six. Uh, so yeah, sleeper. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, we don't talk a ton about Centennial. Uh, they right. come out of Section Five. Right, they, they're, they're a talented team, and uh, you know they've got but Maple Grove is is probably the odds-on favorite in Section Five. So could Centennial slip past them? I, you know, that that's you know we'll we'll see. Where are we uh, at the Class A level? Well, so it's funny because defending champion. Matamidi, uh, uh, rather, there's too many M's teams here. Yeah, <laughs> defending champion Matamidi. They're not going to be a sleeper, but they are going to go into any sort of a, a playoff postseason state tournament with a very pedestrian record, with, with a, which has a lot to do with their strength of their schedule as well. So they have, and, and that's why I think that you're still seeing them, you know, ranked in the top ten, even though they're they might still be sub five hundred. But four and seven they, is uh, the latest they, I saw. Yeah, they uh, so yeah, they wouldn't be a sleeper, but they would definitely be probably don't have the hype that, that, that you would expect a defending state champion to have. I'll tell you, world looked darn good on Hockey Day in Minnesota. We got an opportunity to talk to Jay Hardwick earlier in uh, the the, uh, the day there before they took on Rozo. Um, I don't think Rozo's probably as strong as as Warroad. They're a very good team, but Warroad really flexed their muscle. That that would I would have to assume between them, Hermantown, maybe Delano, those are the top teams, I, I would assume, in uh, single A. Yeah, yeah, and throw Monomita in there. Um, yeah, Warroad, you know, we're talking about projecting, you know, how many times have we seen it over the years where the team that everybody thought was going to be destined to be the winner didn't didn't win, but then the next year the, the team that was a little less hyped ended up getting it done. Maybe that could be a Warroad story this year. Any names floating? I don't want you to give away because at some point you're going to have your your player of the year in the Star Tribune. But are there any names out there that you're tracking? They're having good seasons uh, for a potential Mister Hockey candidate. Well, I mean, more road. You got Murray um, Murray Marvin Cordes. He's he's a nice player. Uh, Carson Pilgrim, of course, yeah. still a good player. Yeah. Those are not Metro, but in the Metro. I'm actually going to start to solidify the uh, coaches. Uh, will be lunch this year on Super Bowl Sunday. Get a bunch of coaches in the room to kind of figure out really who who's who because there's a lot of really strong uh, kids that would be uh, in contention for it. But it's like, you know, how do you differentiate who really pulls the train for like a team like Minnetonka, who has so many good players and so many good contributors, nine Division One commits. You know who really makes the difference, and and so that's that's kind of what I got to sort out here. I know people have said that that's probably the best team that they can think of, and they're going back to Jefferson as a comparison in the '90s. And I said, well, what about 2015 Lakeville North? They were pretty stacked, and they were undefeated, you know. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to to kind of pick the brains of the coaches and and uh, figure out who you know is really good. And also in that Class A uh, discussion. I don't think you want to forget about Orono. That they're they're going to be a quality team, yeah, right? Definitely in the hunt too. 
Yep. Well, good stuff. You're, you're on alert. You're yeah. just over a month away from the uh, Boys high, State High School Hockey Tournament. So clear your schedule. <laughs> you know you will be on that Saturday of uh, tournament tournament Saturday, right? We can call it. Um, so we'll, we'll request your presence. You're yeah, not no, obligated in you, any you way. You are obligated, right? <laughs> I mean, you make your appearance every year with us, so... Um, just jot that down, okay? As a little yeah, reminder. I'm the, yeah, I'm like the Mel Kuyper of high school. Hockey. <laughs> you you know what? You really, you, are. you really yeah. are. And oh, by the way, let's plug your book because we're still selling that, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, well, they've got a new version. We we have a new version. Oh, out probably later this month. Awesome. Uh, you guys will get uh, copies in your hands uh, when we have them. Um, but they, we basically picked up where we left off with the, the previous edition of Turning uh, Time. Outstanding. We started, that was the last year the tournaments in that book was 2019, and now we've added 2020, 21, 22, and 23. Outstanding. So the, the stories have all been written. Lauren Nelson and I have, have done the same format as far as uh, doing a lot of interviews. And the, the big difference you'll see in this updated and revised edition of Turning Time, though, is a lot more class single-A representation. Great. Um, you know, for example, 2020, Hill Murray won the double A tournament and, and Montemita won the single A. And the thought was, well, do we want to write a fourth Hill Murray chapter or do we want to write a, a the first uh, Minnehaha chapter? And we elected the, the latter. So give Minnehaha a plug. We did a proper sidebar on uh, Pat Andrews and Hermantown yep. uh, that, are, that are in the book. So that's that's going to be, a, 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 you know, then they've earned it. I mean, you know, I think we all agree that the single-A tournament has definitely found its footing. Yes. There's some great hockey there. So No, no, no question. To represent more of it in the, in the book that's coming out. How do we get it? How do we get it in our hands? I'm a listener out there, and I want this awesome book, this big, fat phone book of a book. How do I get it in my hands? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, in Minnesota Historical Society Press, it'll be on their website. Um, I checked Amazon the other day to see if it was available yet. It, it's not a, a, not running up and running yet, but and then we have uh, the legacy hockey is is the website that you put in the browser, and we can send signed and personalized copies to folks directly from the authors. So if you want to yeah. help, uh, well, you didn't sign it for me the last time, so pop and pop. <laughs> yeah, I so. expect I expect your signature on my, on the book that I I get. So be, before we yeah. let you go, before we let you go, David, we got one uh, phone call here from uh, Tom in Buffalo. You got uh, time for one uh, high school hockey question? Please, yeah. All right, Tom in Buffalo, go ahead. David Levake is at your service. Hey, good, good morning, guys. I, I love uh, I, I skate every morning at Trio with the old man, and then I roll right into Beyond the Pond. Uh, awesome, home, thank so you. Great. Uh, yeah, so good to talk with you guys. Um, you know, I was looking at the the rankings, you know, the t- top ten in the state for AA, and I happen to notice I think seven of those teams are in two sections. So we're gonna we're gonna miss out on a lot of good hockey in the state tournament. Do, do you foresee any sort of like realignment um, with the sections at some point, or is this, this the way it's gonna be? Good question, Tom. What do you think, David? Well, I believe that they make wholesale changes to section alignment every six years. Um, and then, so that might cause a little, but I don't ever see, even when I call it wholesale, we don't see a ton of changes, um, but you know, it's something could happen. I don't remember where we are in that cycle, but um, that there's an opportunity to, to shake it up and, and see if they can create. But I think if you go look historically, there's always been tough sections and there's always been deserving teams that are unfortunately left out on the cold. 
that's why uh, a lot of people, a lot of coaches refer to the section playoffs as the best kept secret in high school hockey, because that's where, you know, you, kids are, you know, ble- you know, sweating and fighting and bleeding for, to get to that state, coveted state tournament. And, and there's only one team that can count on the kids come out of a given section. So yep. I don't know that it's ever going to be perfect, but, uh, but that's um, unless, unless we rip tear, tear it up and do like an NCAA for basketball format where you have, all the teams are, are in the state tournament, and then you play it down from there. But I don't foresee no. that happening. Yeah, I no. mean, listen, you bring back some haunting memories for me because we knew <laughs> if we were going to get to the state and we only got there one of the four years I played, uh, we had to get through Grand Rapids. And, uh, you know, they were loaded every year, and we finally beat them my senior year. But, you know, f- you know, 4,500 in the Hibbing Memorial Arena uh, just jam-packed. The, the section finals um, are are the are the, awesome. are the best? Yeah, it's great, but don't mess with the state tournament. Leave that the way it is. Let I, I love the way everything is formatted. You can mess with the the conglomeration of how the sections are are, are potted out. Now, that's fine, but I like I like the way the state tournament is now. David, thank you for the update, my friend. Like we said, we'll talk to you within the next month, and then you'll have further update on how we can get that book in everyone's hands. I look forward to it, Kevin. Thank you. Take care, Pat. Yep. Thanks. That's Thanks, our David. buddy David Levake of the Star Tribune. By the way, I should mention, too, we were talking about college hockey, and we're going to get to Brad Schlossman yep. again at the top of the hour. Just got a text from Brad Frost. And, and by the way, they've got a home game, the go for women at 430 today against St. Thomas at Ritter Arena. They're going for the sweep, and it'll be available on Fox 9 Plus. So if you oh, want to watch it, you want to go to the game, uh, that's a tremendous arena as well. You want a good atmosphere, a cheap ticket, this is an awesome opportunity yeah, to see Brad Frost. I think they Frost. won last night 3-1, to one, if yeah, I'm correct on that. Yeah, he says they're looking that. for a, a, sweep a sweep today yep. against the Tommy. So that should be a, a lot of fun down there on the And UNO we hope campus. you're feeling better, Coach Frost. Yes, he yeah, says. Just he, skip a weekend and, you know, with some illness or whatever the case may be. But um, uh, good to see says him Says he's recovering back. quite well. And uh, I, we've got it on the docket to talk to Brad Frost probably next weekend and get an update on what's going on with the Golden Gopher women's hockey team. I don't know what this guy's going to give us an update on, but while we got the opportunity, let's do it. Let's go to our guy, our guy and talk to Danny. What's Oh boy. Hi, Danny. Turn your radio down, Danny. You're a radio pro now. (laughs) I pulled the speaker off. What's going on, buddy? Here we go. Well, guys, uh, I know I left you a speechless last week, Pat, and I think you always do on this radio show. Yeah, I I just uh, listened to you, Denny. <laughs> oh, I love it. Anyway, I got a question for both of you guys. Okay. Now that the wild season is in the books, because we're not winning nothing. That okay. uh, game against Anaheim was atrocious. It really was. Agreed. It was a terrible outcome. It leaves them in a real tough spot with 33 games left on the season. But your point is? Well, if you were the GM, what would you do with this team now? And you don't have to answer me now. Oh, no, that's what radio's for. We'll answer. Okay. I have my thoughts, but I'll let you continue. Go ahead. What would you do? No, that that's it for this week. Uh, I was going to ask this last week, but, uh, you know, uh, when I left you to dazzle last week, yeah. that was good enough for me. 
right. All right, Denny, we will uh, contemplate this. Thanks for calling. Uh, by the way, Wild Fan Line later this week, I believe Friday after the Wild take on, I guarantee Patrick doesn't know this, but Wild Fan Line after Marc-Andre Fleury night when they host the Pittsburgh Penguins. Wild Fan Line following that excursion, so I'm sure we'll uh, hear from you then. You absolutely will. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Denny Thanks. in Prior Lake with his weekly contributions. Uh, I was we haven't lo- talked wild. I was doing some math here, and it's not good math. The no. Wild 21, 23, and 5, they've got 47 points through 49 games. If you assume it takes 95 to make the uh, playoffs, which is probably, uh, uh, I don't know, that's probably a good number. That's, that's a good you number. get to 95 points, you're probably in the playoffs. That would mean they need 48 points or 24 wins. So that's a 24 and 9 record over the course of the final 33 games. That math is not great. Well, here's the deal. Um, For a team that has the potential, it's doable. This team... You don't think they have the potential? Does not have the potential. They've gone on runs. it's, It's going to be virtually impossible. What if they're healthy? No. No. I mean, I look at their bottom six and... You know, we just have to come to the realization that their their bottom six is not good enough. It's it's not. Those guys have gotten chances. And you look, I went through their stats the other day. And when when your third and fourth line guys are, I, I didn't even add up the number because I, I didn't want to bring that number up. But you, you got guys, you, you, you're looking for your third and fourth line to contribute yeah. and to not be minus players. Yeah. And they are like, um, I, I can just uh, two guys that come to mind are minus combined twenty something. Not going to happen. It, it's not you. You can't flick a switch. Um, there needs to be some, and and I get it. They're in a tough situation, and he and you expect that if those guys were on the plus side, if they were contributing, um. If you had more than five guys in your top six that are, you know, then we can talk. But and 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 you know, you lose Spurgeon. It's kind of a, a it, you know, as Billy said last week, you know, we kind of put together, you know, we're we're you know piecing piecing it together, and you can't be piecing it together trying to make a a playoff run. Now, yeah, they've had circumstances. We get it. I get it. Um, but if you if we're being really really honest here, it's just not a playoff team. I really want to peel back the onion here and get Go ahead. through the layers. I can't. We're up against the yeah, clock. Okay. We got the Schloss, the Bob McKenzie of college hockey coming up. And at the I top of the want, hour. and I don't want to put you in that spot. No, but I want to get into it, and I do want to talk about it, and we will. We'll open it up the, to the phone lines. We're going to have Schloss on here for about ten minutes, and then we're going to get into uh, to the Minnesota Wild, the National Hockey League, all kinds of talkers. Not only what's what do you going think on of Kucherov? Kucherov, what about him from last night? Yeah, what would he do? Jack, tell him. Did you watch it? I'll tell him during breakaways. Okay. There we go. Yeah, what a don't, tease. Don't right. take it what away from breakaways. I did see Kale McCarr with a 100-plus mile-an-hour slap shot. Oh, man. Yeah, he had a, he had a hell of a, a turnout last night, and I, I hate the skills competition. But regardless, you, stop it. we got to take a break. We'll get into Schloss next, and we'll uh, take your phone calls, 800-320-5326. Text us, 64686. You can also find us, booth, at KFAN.com. The Schloss, next on Beyond the Pond. Hey, Wild fans, this is Marcus Foligno, and you're listening to the best hockey show on the planet, Beyond the Pond, right here on KFAN. 
Oh, my God. The off-air show is so much better than the on-air show. My blood is boiling at this point. I would put any amount of money on what we just talked about. Okay, we'll get into that. We can get into that here in a little bit. First, we've got to go back to the college hockey scene and talk to our buddy Brad Schlossman. What's going on, Schloss? Break up this off-air battle for me, would you? Oh, boy. Schloss, I need what? you in studio so What's bad today. Hey, Schloss. So I'm scrolling, right? I, I attended the um, St. Thomas Tommies and the Minnesota State Mavericks, the Mavs, at St. Yeah. Thomas Academy Arena last night because I had the night off. Thought, you know, I'm going to be working the final of that championship um, uh, playoff series uh, game, I should say, uh, when that comes to it. Uh, so I'm scrolling through my college hockey scores, and I see the vaunted Miami Redhawks up 4-2 to two on North Dakota. And I'm looking at the guy next to me, and I said, North Dakota's going to come back and win this game in overtime. What happened, Schloss? <laughs> what happened? They came back. They they, they won in overtime. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Or, or you, should you I pat myself it. on the back or not? <laughs> yeah, you better. You yeah. got to take the opportunity when it's there because we all know uh, we screw up enough calls. So okay. you better take the opportunity. Okay, so let me ask you this. Did North Dakota just – Come out and lay an egg, or or not? Because well, I'm 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 I am um, I am a buyer of the North Dakota Fighting Hawks right now. But I looked at that score and I was like, "What?" Yeah, I, I didn't think they necessarily laid an egg. I, I thought Miami had a couple chances. They scored on them. I'd say two of them were goals that Ludwig Person usually does not let in. Yep. Um, you know, there might've been some nerves. It was his first time back in Oxford playing where he played the previous three years. Uh, the fans were chanting traitor at him. Uh, Act you like know, you've been so there might've been, uh, you know, that might've been part of it, but then he, he dialed it in the last, uh, in, in the third and in overtime and, you know, UND have put a ton of pressure. I thought Bruno Breveris for Miami, their goaltender played really well. Um, but, you know, the really uncharacteristic part is for, for this UND team is giving up four goals, especially to a team that ranked last They're terrible. in the NCHC in offense. Yeah, the, um, it's a bad did team. did not have three of their top five scorers. Yeah, I, Miami's not a good team. Slice it, dice it, yeah. massage it any way you want. They're not a very good team. So how do you explain the, what the happened one, to, the, the, to the Fighting Hawks The one thing, if, if you go look at Miami's results since November – Every weekend, they've put a scare into every opponent for one night. Yeah, so well, every team does close. that. Every team does that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yep, that's that's kind of college hockey. It was uh, it, it was not a great two first two periods. I, I, I thought you know if if person makes the saves he usually does, you know it, it probably uh, UND wins a little bit more comfortably. But um, you know I having to come back is, is something that uh, this team has had to do a couple times this year. And I think that bodes well for, for the playoffs that uh, they can win games in all sorts of fashions. They've trailed going into the third, six times this year, and they've only lost one of those games. It and was, that was uh, Minnesota. It wasn't just North Dakota last night though. As I look at the NCHC scoreboard, DU just eked by with a three-two win over Western Michigan in Denver, and then uh, St. Cloud State goes to Colorado Springs and 
ekes by Colorado College with a 2-1 overtime victory. So it seems like there was a lot of close matchups last night in the first of two. Yeah, and we might see that coming down the stretch now. Uh, teams, you know, I would like I would like to say are getting tighter defensively, but I just saw five four games, so um, <laughs> maybe it doesn't apply there. But I, I think you will see some tight games coming down the stretch, and uh, it should be a good race to to see who can win the Penrose Cup and the NCHC. All right, Schloss, time for some controversy. You you started it with your article. And I know we talked about it and all that. So I did a little behind the scenes um, uh-huh. investigating with, with coaches that I'm not going to name them. Okay. I'm not yep. going to name them. Some agreed with, with your premise. Some disagreed. Some, yep. some thought, you know what? The kids don't care. It's about the experience. Some yep. think that. The top teams are always, you know, your blue bloods are always going to host a regional and mm-hmm. making it, diff, you know, completely shutting out all of the other teams um, from being able to go in their barn into a sold out place and win. What do you say? The, number one, I would say I disagree that only the blue bloods would host. I went back and looked at the last 10 years at who would have hosted. Uh, 10, 15 years, Yale would have hosted, Union would have hosted, Minnesota State would have hosted almost more than anybody in the country. Mm. Um, You know, if you have good teams, you are going to host. Number two, I still don't think, uh, even if the Blue Bloods host a lot, that's still a better situation than nobody coming to your game. I I just think that's a non-starter when you uh, go to a regional and you see there are 200 people there. That just can't happen. It's the biggest games of the year, and and if the Blue Bloods are hosting all the time, that's still a better option than empty buildings. However, I would say that's not going to be the case. If you go back and look at who's been in the top eight, uh, it's a really widespread amount of teams. Almost half the entire nation would have hosted a regional game. Um, And I think those could have been great benefits. You know, I think Mm -hmm. Ferris State should have hosted North Dakota in uh, 2014. Instead, they played in Cincinnati, North Dakota wins in double overtime. You know, I, I think Ferris State would have liked to have that game in Big Rapids. So I, I just think that uh, there will be other teams hosting, but what it comes down to is, you know, you just can't have games in empty buildings. This is what we have to do. I don't have a lot of good ideas, but this is a good one. Um, because we're both on your side on this argument. It's it's It seems like such an obvious argument, and it's an easy stance to take. I want to get someone with the opposing argument, especially if it's a head coach, and put them on the radio with you and let you guys go tooth and nail. Because I can't imagine anyone with any grain of any identity sitting there and trying to argue the other side of this. It just doesn't make any sense. And Patrick's been saying it for a decade. Yeah, no, I I would be uh, welcome to uh, debate anyone about it. I've thought a lot about it. Uh, you know, it, it's not coming from a, well, this would be great for these programs. It's what's best for the sport. And I, I honestly believe this is best. But when I go to those regionals and see the the sparse crowds, um, it, it's just not good. That That's that's not uh, what we see all, see, all year long. Um, so, you know, I, I think some of the arguments uh, – looking are looking at what's best for individual programs that they perceive and not for the sport as a whole or the players or the fans who uh, support the teams uh, all year long. So, um, 
you know, and and, that, the, and, and for the my thoughts. yeah, and for the listeners out there who don't know what we're talking about, it's 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 um, uh, moving the regionals to the number one seeds of of each of the four teams that that get that uh, out of the campus rather than a neutral site right. Right in an empty campus okay. building. Maybe you uh, refresh my memory here. Did you tell me what would have to happen? for your yeah. idea to work what are the procedures yeah. that are involved first of all i want to say my, my idea is to have the top eight host and yep. then the four, the highest four advancing teams host in two separate weekends because i think if you have number one seeds host then you're going to have maybe a two and a three playing in front of nobody still yep. and if the number one seed loses you're going to have the four playing either the two or the three in an empty building so i want I want every game to be home site until the Frozen Four. Uh, I think what has to happen, it, they need to have, you know, what, two-thirds of the uh, committee. There's six members there. Um, I think if they get four, they're able to do it. A former committee member said, ideally, you'd want minimum five to, to proceed. Uh, and a lot of times the committee takes the advice of the coaching body. So it's going to be really interesting in Florida in April to see uh, how much, how widespread the support is uh, among the uh, different conferences and, and coaches, but it, you know, really they're going to be the drivers because they usually are in okay. this situation, uh, and then their athletic directors will follow. Okay, who's on this committee, and does this committee change year to year? It changes. Um, I, I can't remember how many years they have terms. Maybe like three years. Um, there's one member from each conference. I know coaches. Uh, the NCAA. Or, or it, it's a mix of coaches and ads. Like it's Scott Sandlin is the NCHC's representative right now. I know. Okay. Um, I I know the the Big Ten had Michael Cross on there. He was a huge proponent, uh, the assistant ad at Penn State of the home regionals and did tons of research on this. He has since left to become the SOCON commissioner. So I, I can't remember who replaced him from the big 10, but um, I, I think the big 10 and NCHC are going to be two of the drivers of this. Because I mean, you could get guys on the committee who aren't hockey guys who are on the committee. Cause for whatever reason, right. You could, but generally they, they do go pretty strong hockey guys so like instead of penn state's like head ad they had their assistant ad who had, was the hockey sport administrator so they generally you know i, I remember still, still may not still Frazier may not be a years. hockey guy yeah still may not be a hockey guy though right who doesn't it, really he, know it, the sport he just is the ad for that sport it could be yeah it could be i i i need to go through and remember who's all on the committee at the moment but um in general, they're going to take – if, like, in the past, like, two-thirds of the coaching body was against this, mm-hmm. and that was a non-starter then. If two-thirds of the coaching body comes out against it right now, it's going to be tough for it to get through. If you have 80% of the coaches say, look, it's time, then we might see it happen. Interesting. Talking to Brad Schlossman, again, if you don't know who he is, you should. He's our college hockey guy, and you can find him on Twitter, at SchlossmanGF, writes for the Grand Forks Herald. Go ahead, Patrick. No, I, let me stay on this. Let's say, um, let's say Fair State, right? They are, you know, good enough to, to host. They have a building that seats 2,500 Schloss. Yep. What do you do? 
Do you still let you them or the do barn. you? Absolutely. It would be it would be an unreal atmosphere in there. Standing room only. Uh, Van Andel Arena? The, the, no, no, that's not. That's in. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there are there would be so you know Union has like what just under two thousand. Yep. It, but I think the building would be absolutely packed. It would be a great atmosphere, unreal on television. Um, in, in are the crowds going to be as big at, as at some of the regionals? No. But you know, Michael Cross from Penn State did a study on the financials of this. Um, that because that was one of my questions. The the men's hockey tournament is one of five NCAA playoffs that are profitable. There's only five and this is one. And I thought, you know what, if this changes it to non-profitable, it's never going to fly. He did uh, all these financial projections Mm -hmm. and he uh, projected that they are leaving, you know, a million dollars on the table by not going to the home sites. He felt that uh, it could be as much as 2.1 million in one of his projections. Um, you know, so this is going to be even more profitable than the current setup. So that's why, you know, hey, there might be some in smaller buildings. There might be, you know, you might have 12,000 at the Ralph. Mm-hmm. You may have 10,000 at Mariucci. You will not get other regionals with 10,000 people. So you'll have a mix. Yeah. But um, I, I do not think it is a problem for these smaller schools to host. Okay, I'm going to change subjects here, here and uh, and I want to go to realignment. Now, um, I hear from different people that that may happen in the next two to three years. Really? And I'm also hearing we may have a summit league. What do you know? Yeah. What do you know? Well, I mean, the, the Summit League thing has come up. Yes. Um, it, you know, it, it in last year, it did not have close to the amount of support it needs for uh, the NCHC to go under the Summit's umbrella. Mm-hmm. So th- there would need to be things that have changed um, for that to happen. But as of last year, they really didn't make any progress on that. Although there are some people who do want it to happen. I, I can't be the only one out in the weeds. Can you guys explain what that means, a Summit League? Well, what the that Summit League is you've got teams like St. Thomas. Okay. You have Omaha. You have North Dakota. Um, Augustana could be a potential Summit League entry. Okay. Right? Schloss? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's basically so, moving. Right now there's questions whether – in the future of the NCAA, single, the viability of single sport conferences. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And this would be a multi-sport conference. It would get the league, uh, you know, a place at the table to, you know, with the NCAA as multi-sport uh, division one conference. Um, you know, so it, it would be a lot of like logistical things. If, if the NCAA kicks enforcement down to the conferences to do, um, that that's really not viable for a single sport conference because you'd have to hire uh, all, all these sorts of personnel to do it. Whereas a, a multi-sport conference, you could uh, handle and, that. And, so, and what do you, you have? Know. And what do you have um, for a uh, a TV outlet, right? A broadcast outlet. You got Midco Sports right in South Dakota that 
Yeah. Good, you know, that, that, that carries a summit league in basketball and all their other sports. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Schloss. Yeah. I you mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, right? As of last year, it wasn't that close. Um, I, I do think we'll see. Let me ask you, the, let me, let me ask years, you this. But I also don't think. Yeah. Uh, are you ready for this question? I think, you know, the answer. Who is the commissioner of the summit league? <laughs> Who is it? Uh, it's Josh Fenton. And I'm uh, wait, 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 wait. I'm not done. I'm not done. Right now. Who was the commissioner of the NCHC? That's Josh Fenton. Ha. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it, Schloss? And guess, yeah. And he left, he left to, from the uh, NCHC to the Summit League. And cool. I think part of it might have been, he, Josh knows the NCAA better than Anyone, no doubt about it. No doubt about and it. And he may be projecting the this uh, the lack of viability of single sport conferences in the future of the NCAA, and that might be why he went to the Summit League and left the NCHE. Not not the full reason, but that might be at least part of the reason. So we will see. When mm-hmm. when you get a text from either myself or Micheletti early in the week, do you flinch and think, oh, my God, I got to do this again? Or do you look forward to this conversation? I know the I answer to that. You guys. Thank love you. It. Thank you, Schloss. <laughs> Pat and I could talk. Yeah, we could talk for hours. We could. I know you could. And sometimes he'll let you finish your sentence. Never. Brad, thanks for doing this again. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll ask you to join us again here very soon, I'm sure. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, Schloss. That's our buddy. We call him the Bob McKenzie of Kalataki. We do, and he is. It's Brad Schlossman. You can't get anything past him. Find him on Twitter at Schlossman GF. You can also read all his fine work at the Grand Forks Herald, grandforksherald.com slash UND hockey. It all usually falls underneath that umbrella. All right. We got to take a break. We're going to okay. open the phone lines from now until the end of the, the show. If you want to talk anything, what they were talking about, the Summit League, or you want to talk college hockey, high school hockey, we got got to get into the Minnesota Wild, the NHL, and everything that's going on with, with that league at this point. You don't know if we should? I don't know if we should. Go ahead. Pick the scab. Yeah. Let's go at it. 800-320-5326. If you want to get in the middle of this battle, you certainly can. And when we continue, oh, my God, it's that time of day already? Brett Blakemore's Breakaways. I'm Jonas Burdine on the Minnesota Wild, and you're listening to Fallness and Nicolet. It's like arguing with my wife. He's not going to argue. He's not going to drive offense shift after shift. But he's going to be a pain in the butt to play against. He's going to be a great power play guy. And he can no one win has any idea what you're talking about. I know. I know. And we'll keep it there. It's like arguing with my, with my wife. She's always knows what? right. Guess I'm what? never right. Guess what? It, it, I'm she, always on the wrong side. You are. <laughs> She's the smartest person in the room. There's no doubt. And it's just like arguing with Pat Micheletti. Would you please calm things down, Brett? I can try. Are we going? It's time oh, for yes, Brett Blakemore's breakaway. Kaprizov, he's alone. Nobody going to catch him. Kaprizov, score! And now, Blakemore's breakaway. All I'm going to say, Brett, don't push my buttons. This guy's about to push me over the edge, so don't push my buttons here with your breakaways. Well, we, uh, I guess we'll just have to see. So, one thing that's kind of pushing my buttons is uh, gross. <laughs> could be uh, is uh, is our guy Yurov over in the KHL. He's up to forty five points in fifty four games in the KHL. He's twenty years old. To put that in perspective, when Kaprizov was twenty, 
He had a .86 points per game. Yurov is at .83 points per game, essentially the same. Uh, this now also moves uh, Yurov to the second best U20 KHL season ever. The only person with more points in the same amount of games at that age, someone named Vladimir Tarasenko. He had 47 points, 54 games. My problem is it seems just dead set that well, if he comes over here, he's got to spend three years in Iowa because that's just what we do. I don't know anyone said three years. Pat, how does the KHL compare to the NHL and or the AHL? It's a good league. I think it's probably above uh, the the AHL. It is. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was maybe uh, right comparable. Par- yeah. You know, it's little. It's it's a good league. Um, I, you know, it's hard to say. Anything. The, the kids ultra ultra talented so you you know and everybody is different everybody is different and um you know he might be ready he may not be ready if he is ready i think they'll 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 put him in the lineup my off-air argument with brett blakemore is would you rather have him or or uh or (laughs) or who i haven't seen him in my own eyes yet i can't say if if i'd want him over anybody else highlights of him i have heard good things just like i heard good things about kaprizov my question would be Making the jump from the American Hockey League to the NHL is significant. Yes. Right? And no so doubt. I would have to assume not only making the jump from the KHL to the NHL is significant, but then you've got this whole thing about the language barrier, the getting used to being away yeah. from mommy and your there, there, There's home. all of that. There's a, there's a, certainly other factors that come into it. Yeah. So, so to know, to say some okay, guys handle it different than others. You don't know. So you, you bring know. him over to North America, you get him acclimated to yeah. North American hockey in the American hockey league, see how he goes. And then when he's ready, make the jump. I don't think that means that he's banished to Siberia slash the I, American hockey. And league. I think, I think you he's guys, forget, feet wet. did you guys forget about the other Russian that, it's probably Houston Dinov. Yeah. 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 It sounds like he could he be, could be right around the corner, according to Russo, maybe yep. by the end of February. Which yeah. Is a couple of weeks away. Let's get by him the way. here and get him in there and see what he can do. Yeah. It was my impression that these two years or the cap crunch is as bad as ever, that at least we would get to see, because of that, a lot of rookies on rookie contracts to save money. But instead, we just ended up paying, you know, guys more than they probably deserved. And then. We're not seeing a lot of our young prospects right now. So that's just disappointing for me. Anyways. Um, and by the way, I'm still feeling under the weather from this week. So you get extra nasally, Brett, today. More Great. than usual. Yeah. Jack, Sorry about super. that. Um, so Montreal just sold, sold Monaghan for some draft capital, despite them being higher in the league standings than the Minnesota Wild. If not selling now, when is the time for the Wild to start selling and get some draft capital for the future? I think the, I think the loss uh, last Saturday um, changed the thought process of this team 100%. That was such a kick in the pockets, the, man. The, those, uh, the, the, the general manager on this show said it was a must yeah. win. Yep. And, and it, it just and sucks. It was. Because the way they were going into that week and into that final homestand and you win that first game and then you squander a third period lead against Nashville, Listen, which isn't a fireable offense. I tell offense. people this all the time in the National Hockey League, just like the National Basketball Association, uh, the Timberwolves lost to a team that's not very good. But um, you're you're playing and you're, you're, you're throughout the course of the year, you're going to lose games. It you know the the best team is Minnesota goes into Tampa and beats Tampa, and they go into Florida and or, or no, they lose to Tampa and they beat Florida. And you Carolina, know, it, it happens yeah. because you're playing a number of the volume of games. It's going to happen, but 
Um, you knew going into this a- a- Anaheim game, it was a must win. We have to be focused. We are better than this team, and 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 they and they lay an egg. And again, and that the third gives me zero, absolutely zero confidence that they could turn this thing around and win. 24 of their next 33 games to get into 95 points. Agree. And the worst part about that is not only what it does to them in the standings and, and takes care of their hopes, the fact that they have to sit through that all-star break with that pit in their stomach that we laid an egg on Hockey Day Minnesota against a bad Anaheim Ducks team. That's the part that I hope kept well, them well, awake and, and at night here's for the nine thing days. That, that people forget we get tunnel vision that we're just concentrating on the Minnesota Wild. What about the five teams that are ahead of them? What about the five teams that are ahead of them? Guess what? They want to make the playoffs, too. Yeah. And they're not going to lose every game. And yeah. they're not going to say, oh, we feel bad for you, Minnesota. We'll just lose all our games. And you guys get to 95 yeah. points and get in at the eighth spot. Not going to happen. The third edition of the hockey border battle went down last night. Uh, and it went in the way of the your Golden Gophers. I personally thought... Might be a little biased. I thought Wisconsin was the better team for the majority of the game. Yeah, they probably but, were. But the best player on the ice was in net for your Golden Gophers, Justin Close, uh, over 40 staves, and they held on for the overtime winner. Are you concerned or confident going into the fourth and final border battle for this year? Let me ask you this first, Patrick. I was going to bring this up to yeah. Frank, and we didn't get to it, but Justin Close has had, um, I don't watch it as close as you or Frank. Yep. He's had, in my opinion, an up-and-down type of year. Uh, is he back the on the uh, yeah? Is he yeah. back on the upper trajectory here now after a night like that? I think he's playing better because the team in front of him is playing better. Um, I think uh, I think Minnesota is finally starting to understand how this team, not last year's team, is going to win, and they're and they're getting more dialed in. And so the guys in front of them are playing better. And and he, obviously, I didn't see the game, and nor did you, um, but. 40 saves. 40 saves, yeah. especially in that second period yeah. where they were getting yeah. pummeled. Yep. Good so, stuff. Good for him. Uh, speaking of the border battle, a uh, little programming predicament today. All-star game for the NHL, Caprice off in action versus the border battle. Anything other than the all-star game. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. I'm an NHL guy. I, am, uh, I actually kind of enjoyed seeing all the guys on the ice at the same time, but the picking uh, of the teams and the, uh, the, the skills competition, get rid of it. put you it into a double-barreled shotgun name, and shoot name it Name all-stars and that's it and leave it alone. I'd rather watch paint dry or but, sort socks. But, so you get this Copyright one out of the way. <laughs> you get this one out of the way, and now you get international hockey back, and that's going to be awesome. You get the World the Cup Olympics, type of stuff. Yep. Wait. Get the Olympics. Yep. And apparently the, that's our oh, next stop. The NHL announced that they will participate in the Olympics yes. in 2026 and 2030. I have been waiting for this since uh, Oshie's shootout against Russia and has yet to happen. Part of me is still a little hesitant that they'll find a way to bail out of it because the owners, let's be honest, the owners don't want the players no, they're not playing bail in the Olympics. The, the players won't I just, allow it. This is I can't believe that guys like McDavid, McCarr, uh, Faber, Eichel, Faber. Guys, they've never uh, been able to play a best-on-best tournament with the best players in the world. And now we'll get that opportunity in the Okay, Olympics. I'm going to start some controversy because I, 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 I see, you know, people, you know, after this announcement, oh, um, Faber won't be ready till the 26 or 30. I'm like, he's ready tomorrow. He is on this Team USA. Of course he is. I don't who, care. Who, any coach that, in America. Who'd have that kind of Well, I mean, think about that. Let's name the defenseman, right? You got McAvoy. You have uh, Fox. Fox. Um, you know, those two are, are definitely shoe-ins. 
Um, Hughes. Uh, he, yeah, yeah, both Hughes, right? I mean, you got to think about it. have Luke. to think about it. Yeah, that's our favorite Ryan Suter. Quinn. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> done. <laughs> but no. To, uh, to Jim not Richard think that like he's that. in John your top six? Like no. For sure he is. Oh, my God. Uh, yes. Of American-born yeah. defensemen? Yeah. There's 100%. No, no doubt. There's yep. no controversy so. there. You got one more? We're, we're way late for a break. Yep. I got one more. Uh, Nikita Kucherov absolutely mailed it in. Uh, it was a FedEx Friday in in uh, Toronto yep. uh, during the skills competition. It, he didn't even put like a a good college try in. I nope. mean, he was literally gliding Did during not. this competition. I didn't even try. It. He got booed by the crowd. Disappointing. Just yep. don't even go if well, you're not gonna. I mean, you don't have to go your hardest and risk getting hurt. That that's a line. That is the what to, to Kevin's point. Get rid of it. Get yeah. rid of it. Get rid of it because guys, some guys want to do it. Some guys don't want to do it. I can't imagine don't. sitting in that building watching that thing for, I don't care if it only lasts an hour. I was watching the draft thing, which again is cool. You get to see the big names and you get to see Justin Bieber if you're into that. But to be in that building and just sit there, and I know no. it's a big way to, for the NHL to raise money and to, to give a shout out to their corporate sponsors, but blah. blah. No thanks. Nope. All right, we got to go to break. When we continue, open phone lines to the top of the hour, 800-320-5326, booth at KFAM.com. Text us at 64686. Again, remind us why I'm smart, Pat Nicoletti is not, and we'll talk about that next on Beyond the Pond. Final segment of this week's edition of Beyond the Pond. We got open phone lines for the next 15 minutes before we hand it off to the 10,000 takes guys. That's followed by Gopher basketball. And then tonight, Gopher hockey is right here as the Gophers take on the Badgers. Who do you like in in the Super Bowl? I haven't given it much thought. I'm going to go for the 49ers because I've got a rooting interest on the West Coast. I got extended family there on my wife's side. And it makes them a lot happier when the 49ers win. So I'm going to go with the 49ers. How about you? Uh, it's going to be a good game. You think so? I really do. I hope so. I mean, people are like this and they're going to be boring. Are you, are you kidding me? Yeah. San Francisco with McCaffrey and yeah. Debo and yeah. come on. And Mahomes, Kelsey, the fight doctor. Are you tired of the Chiefs yet? No, I love the fight doctor. <laughs> He's my favorite player in the National Football League. We used to have Fr- uh, Freddie Pacheco on Ferdy. all the time. Freddie uh, uh, in Ferdy. my uh, former life as a yeah. radio producer. Yeah. I had a couple of old bastards did you really? that uh, were the hosts, and we did a lot of boxing. We did a lot of college basketball because the one guy, with the other old bastard, and I say that with the uh, utmost respect, his name is Irv Brown, former yeah. referee yep. in uh, college basketball. We could call anyone in the world uh, college basketball-wise and get them on the air like that. We'd have all their phone yeah. numbers. And we did a lot of college basketball back in the day in my previous life, but we would. We'd have Freddie yeah, Pacheco. I think on. it's. I think it's going to be a great game. I really do. I. I really what do you do. got? I, I have Kansas City. I've got Kansas City. Yeah. I'm taking the 49ers. I Who's think, favored? Do we know what the I line? Think is? It's the close. line changed. KC was a plus luck. one. Now they're minus two. Hmm. Um, I think Kansas City is, or I think uh, the 49ers are going to win. I want Kansas City to win because I hate. The 49ers. They beat my squad every single year. Uh, the 49ers are favored by two and a half points. Yep. As it stands right now. They're favored. That, that surprises me because of the PR machine that is the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought it switched the other way, Jack. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Um, That's what I've got. Right. 49ers, two and a half points favored. Regardless. Oh, you know, that's right. And, and uh, it, yeah, it was 
Well, anyway. I'm looking ahead to the uh, wild schedule, and not only do they get back on the ice on Wednesday. Against? And then they are in Chicago. Extended pregame, by the way, which I, I'm sure you'll be a part of if I give you a holler on, give me a on, holler. on Wednesday night. It starts at 7 o'clock. Pre-game okay. joins the network at 8.15, puck drops at 8.30 because it's a TNT Eight, oh game. Oh, my. Yeah. At the United Center, the return to action following the All-Star break. Then they host the Penguins on Friday. And this is the uh, little blossom that I found out on all of this because of Super Bowl Sunday. We got next weekend off from the Wild broadcast. So <laughs> how about that for a little uh, joy in the schedule? No Wild hockey Saturday or Sunday next weekend. So, wow. Yeah. Kind of fun. Good for I, you. I, I like that. I, I'm looking at the NHL landscape, and I'm I'm shocked at what has happened to the LA Kings. We talked about them being mm. a shoe in for a top three spot in the Pacific Division. Now they're battling, and in the Western Conference, they've had three wins since about Christmas, and now they fire Todd McClellan. How, how much did that grab you by surprise? Uh, Not only the fact that they fired him, but the way they've fallen from grace considering that lineup. I, I don't understand. I I don't and. I know Drew Doughty came out and ripped his team and uh uh on you know same thing we saw with Colorado and uh I don't know what player ripped um um anyway oh, I do remember ripped that ripped his team yeah. and, and and then they turned things Devon around Taves, I think yes, was the one yes and um I'm I'm very surprised because the 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 trade they made with Winnipeg for Pierre Luc Dubois has been an epic failure, yeah. and they expected him to provide some offense. I, you know what? You kind of get a reputation. Columbus, you know, he's a number one pick. Columbus didn't want him. He got to Winnipeg. Winnipeg didn't want yeah. him, and now he's in L.A. and he's wearing out his welcome there. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's part of the problem. Or, or what? It feels like Cam Talbot's had a pedestrian second half of this first half as well. He's fallen back to earth, and they've gone to Riddick, who yeah. was the guy in Calgary for uh, quite a while. And now Riddick, it feels like, has taken, yeah. even though Talbot's representing the Kings at the All-Star game, it feels like Riddick has been the... Uh, yeah, and you know, the you know, it feels like he's taken over the, the reins. The way that Talbot left here was not great. Nope. And... Worked out great for the Wild. Worked out great for the Wild. It didn't work out well for him in, in Ottawa. In Ottawa, yep. And you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, good goal. We'll we'll take a chance on him. You know, so maybe the dynamics of that whole culture is that what we use? Culture is not <laughs> good. Sport. Is not good in in L.A. right now, and they'll probably get a bump. You know, new coach, interim guy. Yeah. I don't know. Their free fall, again, three wins. They're still in the playoffs. They're, right? they're holding on. They're clinging by the, to the, the skin wild of their card. teeth to the top wild card spot in the West. Right. Now they've been bounced from the top three in the Pacific because the Edmonton Oilers, following their coaching well, change, were, 16 in a row they've won. Unbelievable. Which is what they should have done in the right? first place. That is a loaded lineup, now, especially and, offensively. And if they make a move that we're hearing about, I okay, don't know so if they give will. us that one. Jake Gensel okay. to Edmonton. Yeah. So you think the Penguins are going to move Gensel? Well, they, they've, I think he turned down a deal that they, an extension. I don't, you know, I, I'm not privy. Can you imagine him on that Oilers team? Him and Dreisaitl? Oof. <laughs> yeah. Or him and Nugent Hopkins. Him and McDavid together? And I, I don't know. I mean, all the kid does is, is perform. I know this isn't Pacific Division fan line, but the Oilers are now very good. The yes. Kings have fallen on hard times, but the Vancouver Canucks are the ones that continue. Watch out now. 
Yeah. They bring in Elias Lindholm from Calgary, and uh, that they get rid of Kuzmenko, but that, that Vancouver team, top to bottom, all of a sudden, that's the team that we thought was going to be a dominant team in the NHL when the Wild faced them during the COVID bubble garbage. In that playoffs, they had all those young. They're all coming to fruition, and they're they're a they're a team to watch. It's a wonderful trade for the Calgary Flames. Wonderful, wonderful trade. It's a risky trade. This is your typical risk reward. Lindholm is a uh, unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Uh, does he want to stay in Vancouver? What if he doesn't? Okay, they lose him. What if they don't win? What if they get bumped in the first round? Which, hey, playoffs, anything can happen. What if they win the Stanley Cup? That That's a possibility. They're all in. They're all in. Because they gave up, what, a first, a fourth, two first round or second round. They gave a first round and a... A first round pick. But the guys that they got in there were uh, a first rounder and a second rounder who haven't quite played yet so they gave up a lot they gave up a lot so we'll see how that shakes out yeah it's uh it's it's fun to he's look at a the heck landscape. of a player no of question yeah. yeah and when he's going he could really add to that canucks lineup so we'll see what happens there with vancouver meanwhile the wild again get back on the ice the math does not look good for them they did themselves no favors going into the all-star break had an opportunity before losing to nashville to close within two points of the final wild card spot in the West and now going 0 for 4 with those four potential points and losing those two games. Yep. That leaves a, a, a significant mark. And, and trust me, I want them, I want egg on my face. I do. I want them, you know, to, to, to do it. But it, the reality of it is, I just, and I don't see it. Should be a good week of hockey regardless. Hopefully the Wild can put egg on the face of Pat Micheletti. We got an extended pregame starting at 7 o'clock. When the Wild get back on the ice, they'll host the Chicago Blackhawks. Wednesday starting at 7, you is, know Pat Micheletti will be a part of is that. Is the runner-up for the Calder going to be playing? You think he's the runner-up? He, I mean, is he? Oh, I see what you're saying. Bedard. I did see Bedard on the ice last night yeah. during this skills competition is he back stuff. Or I no? don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. So you think Faber's closed the gap enough that he's overtaken him at this I, point? I, I, I do. I listen. I, I do. I how, mean, how close is Luke Hughes uh, out uh, there in New Jersey? Uh, uh, he's I, playing significant roles for them too. He is. He is. But I don't think he's done what Brock Faber has done. So uh, it's it's either Faber or Bedard yes. in your mind, and actually Faber has leapfrogged yep. over. We Bedard. don't get to vote, unfortunately, but uh, you know I don't know how you cannot. I mean, he's been everything. He has. He's been everything. Yeah, he's and been fantastic. So anyway, we'll see what happens with that. I know you'll be watching or somehow paying attention to the Gophers and Badgers later on tonight. Uh, the thumbnail sketch. What are you expecting tonight in the rematch after a thrilling overtime win last night in Madison? Well, I said it, you know, and I, that it was nice to get the win on Friday. And so now you have this feeling of, okay, we know we got to play better. We escaped with the win. We have to be better tonight. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be a heck of a game. I, I really do. And, uh, uh, but I, I, you know what? I, I like the way Minnesota's playing. And so I think they'll be better tonight. Sometimes when you're better, you, you, you don't win. 
But if they play better, I think they'll they'll have a good chance. Rookie of the year candidates were thrown out earlier this week in college hockey. Two Gophers were mentioned. Both had a significant role in the game winning goal last night. Neither of them scored it, but Renzel with a big block sets up Oliver Moore, who who uh, sets up Brody Lamb on the two on one. Uh, Renzel, uh, Oliver oh. Moore, what, what do you think about them? And do either of them have a chance at rookie of the year? Well, if, you, if, if you're the Minnesota wild, hockey. if you're the Minnesota wild, right. Okay. If, if you're the Minnesota wild, get used to watching these two guys, not next year, but the following year. Yeah. For the next 15 years. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Who do they belong to? Chicago Blackhawks. Oh my God. <laughs> and we got to deal with Snuggerud for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. That really sucks. <laughs> He's going to be a hell of a pro too. Snuggerud. That, that release that you guys talk about, it's unbelievable. Now, I know his father would like him to stay four years at the University of Minnesota, but I think he'll be in the playoffs with the St. Louis Blues. Okay. But All right. We'll see. I hope Pat- not. Patrick, this was awesome. I look forward to talking to you Wednesday. I'm, I'm taking your commitment now to join us for an extended Minnesota Wild pregame. Call me. I will. All right. The great Pat Nicoletti. Yes, thank you, Brett. Great job behind the glass. Say thank you. Yeah, no problem. Say great thank job, you, Mr. Guys. Falness. What? Thank you, Mr. Falness. Oh, <laughs> I, this feels dirty. Thank you, Mr. Falness. Look me in the eyes and call me daddy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Brett Blakemar, of See course, doing a great job. A wonderful contribution from a number of guys. Corey Leyland, the assistant coach at St. Thomas. Frank Mazzacco from Madison. David Levake bringing us boys high school hockey updates. And Brad Schlossman, the Schloss, joining us from Grand Forks, giving us a, an update on college hockey. For everyone here involved on Beyond the Pond, thanks for listening. Get ready. A full action of Gopher Sports coming your way. We got basketball around 1 o'clock, hockey tonight at 7. Enjoy your day and... Uh, I don't know. Stay safe.